Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Real People, Real Talk. Relevant conversations that take you from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast that goes there. My name is Paul Calco and I'm your host. Now let's talk. So I wanted to do something a little different today as this episode is all about doctrine and theology and is going to conclude our spiritual series for this month. And next month is going to be all about thriving in your mental and emotional health. And we're going to be diving into theology and doctrine and don't let those words scare you away. Theology means the study of the nature of God. And these things, both doctrine and theology, helps us to know God better and The better we know him, the better we can serve him and we can tell others about him. So this episode is really going to help you in your walk with the Lord. And I want you to put on your thinking cap and let's dive deep into the truths of God. But first, allow me to give you a roadmap of where we're going. I'm seeking to answer three questions in this sermon in this episode today. Number one is who is God? And that's where I'm going to spend the most of my time. And secondly, how do we know him? What does that look like? And thirdly, why does it matter? I'm going to conclude with some practical application. Knowing God is a lifelong pursuit. There's no sermon, uh, no book, no class, no degree that can quite capture the totality of who is God. Our vocabulary Our minds are simply incapable of fully describing and even understanding God. In other words, God is infinite and we are finite. Our minds can fully understand and comprehend all that there is to know about this awesome God. The Bible declares in Psalms 145, 3, great is the Lord and he is greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. So let's go along this theological journey today. Although we cannot fully understand God, we can still know him. We know him through a personal relationship of faith and a study of what the Bible teaches about his nature. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, which leads me to question and point number one, who is God? The God of the Bible is the one and only true God. He is the greatest of all beings. He depends on no one else or nothing else for his existence. So although we cannot fully describe God in a comprehensive way, we still can learn about him through his attributes and through his characteristics that are revealed in the Bible. And there's two categories. First, you have the natural attributes, and these are the attributes, the characteristics that only God has in the second category is moral attributes. And these are the attributes and characteristics that God shares with us. But first, the natural attributes. Number one, God is omnipotent. And that word means that God is all powerful. Genesis 17 and one says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. God is all powerful, meaning that his power is unlimited. As a matter of fact, the word impossible isn't even in God's vocabulary. God is the creator 
and the sustainer of the universe, yet he never grows weary. God is omnipotent. God is all powerful. God is sovereign. In other words, he has absolute rule over creation and total control over all that happens. God is also omnipresent. He isn't confined to any one part of the universe, but he is present in all power at every point in space and at every moment in time. In the classroom, God is there. In the courtroom, God is there. In the hospital room, God is there. In your high moments, God is there. Your low moments, God is there. Any continent, any planet, God is there. One of my favorite names of God is Jehovah Shammah. And that's translated to mean the Lord is there right where you are right now. I just want to encourage you and let you know the Lord is there. There's no place that God is not there. That's good news because that means that you are never alone. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent and God is omniscient, meaning that God is all knowing. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. See, God possesses all knowledge because he is everywhere at one time. And at the same time, he knows everything simultaneously. It's also very comforting to know that God knows it all and God sees it all. Let me make it personal for you today, my friend. God knows you. God sees you and God cares for you. Number four, God is changeless. Like you as a person, you may grow, you may evolve, you may improve, but God doesn't. Because if there was room for progress, if there was room for improvement, he wouldn't be God. Therefore, God is perfect. Malachi 3, 6 says, for I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Psalms 18 and 30 says this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Because our God is perfect, we can have a confidence. We can have an assurance in his will and his plan and in his timing for our lives. So God is all knowing. God is everywhere at the same time. God is all powerful. God is changeless. Therefore, he's perfect. And fifthly, God is eternal. Revelation 1 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Before the beginning, God was there. After the ending, God will be there. And everywhere in between, God is there. God isn't bound by time or even by space. As humans, we experience time differently. We have memories of the past that we can look back to. We live in and experience the present moment, and we look to the future. But God sees and he knows all at the very same time. So those are the natural attributes of God, some of the natural attributes of God. But let's talk about the moral attributes of God. These are the ones that God shares with us that the more we seek him and get to know him, we can develop these attributes. The first one is this. God is holiness. Notice I didn't say that God is holy. I did not use an adjective to describe God, but I use a noun. God is holiness. In other words, God embodies holiness. Isaiah 6, 3 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth 
is full of his glory. This attribute refers to God as being separated from or exalted above all things and above all persons. Holiness refers to God's moral excellence. And because God is a holy God, because God is holiness, he requires us as his children to be holy as well. And the cool, gracious and compassionate thing about God is that the thing that he demands, he also supplies and enables us to do it. For example, God calls us to be holy, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us a Bible that we can obey and walk in holiness. Then he takes it a step further. When we give our lives to the Lord, he gives us his spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us. And to empower and enable us to live a life of holiness. God is holiness. God is also love. Love is the essential self-given nature of God. The Bible is literally God's love letter to us. God is so loving that he created a plan of redemption. He created a plan of salvation for the very people that rebelled and rejected him. That's you and that's me. He loves us enough that he took on human form, wrapped himself up in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, died on a cross so you and I can be saved from our sins so we can have eternal life and we can spend eternity with him. That's grace. That's mercy. That's good news. That's God. God is love and he really does love you, my friend. He may not approve of every single thing that you do, but he does love you. Let that sink in. Next, God is wisdom. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, chapter three, verse 19 says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. So God, he always does the very best things in the very best ways at the very best times and for the very best purposes. So not only is God wisdom, but he endows wisdom to his followers. James 1 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. God is wisdom. Let's go further. God is righteous. God is truth. God is good. God is great. God is awesome. And I know sometimes in the English language, we can throw around that word awesome. Man, that was an awesome sermon. Oh, man, that's an awesome car. Man, that fool you made was awesome. But when I talk about awesome and we're talking about God, I mean, when you look at God and you just begin to think about his holiness, think about his goodness, think about his greatness, that will evoke an awe within your heart. Like, wow, this is God. Not only is God good, Not only is he righteous, not only is he awesome, but he's also faithful that even when sometimes we're faithless to him, God is still faithful to us. God is grace. God is mercy. God is compassionate. God is patient. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that we serve a patient God. Amen. God is incomparable. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him in works. There's nobody like him in being as the song says that he has no rival. He has no equal now and forever. God, you reign. Second Samuel 7, 22. Therefore, you are great. O Lord God, but there is none like you. 
There is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Literally, the list is endless in describing God. Not only does God reveal himself through his attributes, but he also reveals himself through his actions, meaning that God shows us who he is and what he does. When God acts, we see his character on display. And here I'm just going to list some of the miracles of the Bible that God did. He split the Red Sea. When Moses was leading the people of God out of bondage, away from Pharaoh, they encountered a sea and they was in between the sea and they looked back. The Pharaoh was coming after them to kill them. But God did a miracle. He split the Red Sea. And let me just tell you how good and how powerful God is. Now, if it was me and I was running away from my enemies and God's for the sea, I would have been cool with, you know, just getting there with mud and have some mud on my feet or whatever. But God was so particular. He's so detailed. He's so good, so great that they walked on dry ground. What a miracle. God splitting the Red Sea. God brought water from a rock. I mean, God even made a donkey talk. There was a guy by the name of Balaam. He was traveling somewhere where he shouldn't have been going. And there was an angel in the road that only the donkey could see. And the donkey would move off to the side in such a way where Balaam would hurt his leg. And after a couple of times, Balaam looked at the donkey and said, what are you doing? And the donkey responded back to him. God is powerful. When you look at creation itself, God hung the sun and moon on nothing but his word, and they're still standing to this day. Science is called gravity, and that's cool, but they've been hanging there all on God's word. I'm currently in a reading plan right now that I started in January and I finished in December, and it's going to take me from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. And if you've never done this, I would encourage you to try it, to read the Bible from cover to cover. Uh, But if you're a new Christian, I would say start in the book of John when you get a picture of who Jesus is. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, I would encourage you to read God's word from cover to cover. Because page after page, as I'm reading, I am reminded of just how powerful God is. He rained down bread from heaven and they called it manna. Both the Old Testament and. And the New Testament are full of miracles and demonstrations of the power of our God. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? All the things that I've already named out, when you think about how good, how great, how big God is, who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? That although he's the God of the heavens, he's also a personal God. As I'm trying to describe God, he's the only person that I can brag about and talk about. And I would never over exaggerate <laughs> this guy that I'm talking about. He has the longest resume in history. The Bible is his 66 book long resume. So God reveals himself through attributes. God reveals himself through his actions. And God also reveals himself through names. Names gives us a glimpse into who God is and what he does. Names are they're personal and they serve as a window into God's character. I'll give you a few that we see in the Bible. God is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. And the peace that I'm talking about that God gives, man, it surpasses all understanding. That even when you can't figure things out, you don't know 
you know how things are going to turn out about the doctor report. You don't know how things are going to turn about getting your kids into college. Or you don't know how things are going to turn out concerning the money and the budget. I'm here to tell you that God can give you a peace right there in the midst of that. Then not only does he have the power to deliver you, God is so good, so awesome, so vast. He can give you peace in the midst of the storm. Just ask his disciples. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. But he's also Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's known as Yahweh, which communicates that his self-existence, his independence, and his eternal nature. They call him Adonai, which means Lord. Another one is he is El Elyon, which means he is the most high. He is the strongest one. God is the good shepherd. And God, he always takes care of his sheep. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that refers to his majesty, his rule, his reign over everything. God is also our father. And that communicates how personal and relational that God is to us. He's the creator. We are his creation. Yet he still calls us sons and daughters. What a love. Another one of my favorites is that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me tell you why I got excited about that. What God starts, he finishes. And this God, he is faithful to be with you during every page and every chapter of your life. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. God is forgiveness. God is grace. God is mercy. In Psalms, King David described God as being my light. My shield, my fortress, my rock. And going beyond that, God is a protector. God is a healer. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a friend. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? Let this episode, let this sermon be a reminder to you of who God is and let it stir up a deeper love, a deeper devotion, and a deeper appreciation within you. Question number two, point number two, how can we know God? Let's break it down. The greatest revelation of God comes through the Bible. It's basically, as I said earlier, God's extensive resume telling us who he is and what he can do. God has graciously, lovingly revealed himself through his inspired written Word. The word of God is the means by which God makes himself known. He declares his will and he brings about his purposes. As it relates to the Bible, I'm going to give you a couple of practical ways that you can intake the Bible, receive the Bible. So let me break it down like this. One way is you can listen to it on your commute to work or doing your workout or while you're doing chores. Open up the Bible app and press play. Let your mind Let your spirit, let your ears be saturated with the word of God so we can listen to it. And of course, we can read it. You may say you don't like to read. God bless you. But I still want to encourage you to read God's word. And I'm not saying that you got to read a book a day, but you need to be reading something so we can get to know God. Listen to it. Read it. And then study it. Get your get your commentary. Get your Bible dictionary and just dig in. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And most importantly, obey it because God calls us to be doers of the word and not just hearers. It was Adrian Rogers that said, study the Bible to know about God, but obey the Bible to really know him. That's good right there. 
If you want to know about him, study the Bible. But if you want to really know him, obey it. Secondly, we know God by spending time in prayer, you know, talking to him, pouring out our heart, spending unhurried quality time at his feet and in his presence. So we know God through the Bible. We know God through spending time in prayer. Thirdly, we know God by going to church. Pick a church that preaches God's unadulterated truth, preaches the Bible in full. Because church and finding the right church, that's a great place for you to grow in your faith and a place to help you to know God better. You can hear sermons about God. You can sing songs about God. And it's also a place where you can serve and do ministry yourself, where you can be the hands and feet of Jesus, thus knowing the heart of God, which is ministering to others. And speaking of church, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you have given up on church or you have experienced some things at a particular church that may have caused you hurt. I just want to say, don't give up on the church. Find another church if you have to, but find a church so you can be connected to the body of Christ so you can learn and so you can grow. All right. Like there's been times where I've gone to a restaurant, let's say Chili's, for example, and maybe my food wasn't the best. I may not go to that Chili's again, but I am going to keep going to Chili's or keep going to restaurants. I said all of that to say this. If you're not in church right now, I want to encourage you to find a church, find a community. So we get to know God by spending time with him in the word, spending time with him in prayer and going to church. But we also get to know God by walking with him. The more you walk with God and the longer you walk with him, you will experience more and more of him, the depths of his love. The depths of his glory, the depths of his presence, the depths of his power. We get to know God by listening to his voice and not just listening to his voice, but applying his voice to our lives. We get to know him by walking in obedience. We get to know him better when we are walking in purpose and we're answering the call that he has on our lives. We get to know him better as we walk with him, as we obey him, as we listen to his voice, and also as we are doing his will. And it boils down to the great commission of sharing the gospel and making disciples. The great commandment of loving God and loving people. And we've been doing those things. And the more that we walk with him, the more of his will and the more of himself he will reveal. Now for my third and final point, I want to conclude with some practical application why does doctrine and theology even matter in the life of the believer? Allow me to share a few quotes from a Christian theologian by the name of J.I. Packer. He said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here is for you to know God, most of life's problems will fall into a place of their own. That's rich. That's powerful. Another one. Charles Spurgeon, those who question the study of God fail to see how practical and relevant it is in their lives. The reality is there's nothing more critically important than knowing God. That's good right there. There's nothing more critically important than knowing God. So a man to that, knowing God, knowing sound doctrine and theology matters. The latter part of Daniel 11:32 says, "But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits." 
Knowing God indeed matters. Knowing these truths about God, his nature, his characteristics, his attributes, knowing doctrine helps us to strengthen our faith. I mean, it's so encouraging to know that we serve such a big God. Knowing doctrine, knowing sound doctrine helps us to share our faith, help us to share Christ with others. Because how can we share God with other people when we don't truly know God ourselves? And although we can't know God fully, we still can know him truly. This knowledge and a sermon like this will help us to better understand God, to better appreciate love and worship him. Knowing sound doctrine will help us to recognize heresy, to help us to recognize false gospels. And we need that now more than ever, considering the times and the direction that our culture is headed. Doctrine indeed matters. So all in all, God is worthy of your praise. God is worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your life and your commitment. And it's my prayer, my hope, my desire that this sermon has stirred up a deeper love, affection and appreciation for the God that we serve. And I leave you with this God's word, which is the best part of the episode. Exodus 15 and 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? We serve a great God. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, go be all that God has called you to be.